COVID is making a fourth quarter comeback in the NFL with outbreaks and games postponed, but we've got a Christmas theme today, along with doubleheaders on Monday, Tuesday, and Christmas Day. All this and more next on the GM Shuffle. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right, let's recap talking about the games last night. The Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts and company step up against a wounded opponent in Washington and Garrett Gilbert, to quote the great Johnny Depp movie, what's eating Garrett Gilbert, right? Rather than what's eating Gilbert Grape. Like, you knew this guy was going to be in for a tough day. And Washington, again, you felt like, Mike, they were going to be undermanned. But before we get into the actual game, I just want to mention the stats as I'm watching the game. Philadelphia is number one in rushing offense. Like, we know they have a good running view. Number one rushing offense. It's now 175 yards or more in seven straight games. That's the first time the Eagles have done that since 1949. They're 30th in passing offense. 30th. And their defense is top 10. Very balanced. 11th against the pass. Like ninth against the rush. But isn't that amazing? Like if you were, I just want to go from a front office perspective. If you were Howie Roseman looking at your team like, hmm, what do you think is going on here? Encyclopedia Brown. We're first in rushing, 30th in passing, top 10 defense, and yet we're a 500 team. Isn't it amazing that people can still think Jalen Hurts is great? And I, before you say anything, 20 of 26 last night, I get it, efficient. A lot of yards after the catch though. Well, I, I think if you're Howie Roseman, you'd think that we started the year off thinking we could throw the football. And we started the year off thinking we could play zone defense. And and I think you got to give the Eagles coaching staff some credit for the adaptation during the season. You know, they've now admitted that they're the Oklahoma offense. I mean, you know, they're running Oklahoma's offense and they can run the football. And for as much as an organization that doesn't really want to throw the, doesn't want to run the ball. I mean, you know, we know that Peterson, I mean, he didn't just become a non-thrower because, you know, he just doesn't like that. That was philosophically driven in him. But I think now that they've adapted, and look, they're deadly. I mean, they can run the ball. I mean, they kicked the shit out of Washington last night. I mean, that should have been a 42 to nothing game. I mean, if I mean, Garrett Gilbert played as good as he could play. And, you know, Washington's defense let him down. I mean, I know they lost Jackson. I know they lost the safety, uh, Landon uh, Collins during the game and all that. But, I mean, they couldn't stop the run. I mean, they could never get control of the game. So, it's shocking it was a 10-point. It should have been a 40-point win, really. I mean, they ended up covering the nine and a half if that's what you had, if you had it less than that. I mean, you know, my question is, is why did they postpone the game? I thought, if the, you know, they, they postponed all these games. Mayfield didn't play on Monday night, and neither did Heineke or Kyle Allen. So we moved the games for what? Why did we move the games? I don't understand it after the end of the day. But I do think this Eagle team, at least you give them credit for understanding who we are. And usually you want to figure out what kind of team you are in training camp. The Eagles figured it out after September. And they've adjusted defensively as well. Look, they're going to be hard to play. I mean, as good, look, New Orleans shuts out Tampa Bay 9-0, right? They shut out Tampa Bay 9-0. I mean, Philly, ran the, Philly just destroyed New Orleans. They moved the ball on them at will. Because New Orleans can stop a traditional run game. They can't stop a, a, the Oklahoma run game. They're a, dang, they're a little bit like Army. You got to have to, it's hard to prepare for them. You know, and so they're, they're, you know, are they a great team? By no means, but their offensive line's good. Their execution has gotten better. I feel like their defense is playing better. So, yeah, I mean, look, that I didn't get it. I don't understand why we couldn't have both games at different times so I could watch them. I, like, I have not seen the Rams Seattle. All I know is that Hockley was a disaster or <laughs> Sean Hockley was a disaster. But 
I, I didn't see that game, you know? And so I don't know why we couldn't see both of them. One more thought on the Eagles, and I will address that. Miles Sanders, first Eagles player, back-to-back 100-yard rushing game since LaShawn McCoy in 2014. And just to button it up, just how good the rushing was, 238 yards rushing, first team, 175-plus yards on the ground, seven straight since the 85 Bears. Dallas Goddard, by the way, brutal interception, early blunder, but they made up for it the rest of the way. Um, as for that, I'm watching the Eagles. I'm like, oh, I'll flip around and watch the Rams. I check NFL Network. No, they're showing the Packers game. I'm checking the other channels. I'm like, no. Thankfully, Sunday Ticket DirecTV, I realized halfway through that they were airing the game. So I'm like, oh, good. So I was able to watch both. But your point, Mike, for anybody who's cynical saying, oh, they moved it for TV reasons or to try to explain, no. Like, this actually was brutal for the NFL. You put on two games, and that's a good game. The Rams are a marquee team. Did not have the available on a national level. They got to fix that next time around. That was bad. Yeah. I mean, especially considering, well, they said they did it for, they said they did it, I think they did it for competitive reasons. But the reality of it is, is the two West Coast teams were on West Coast time. They played at four o'clock, right? If we would have made them play at seven, like the East Coast team did, it would have been even. Like I would have not had a problem. Like I would have, like I would have rather watched Seattle, Los Angeles than watch Philly because Washington is not a good team. I mean, right. you know, I don't know how Washington was on a win streak. I mean, they've beaten some bad teams, but Washington's not very good, you know, and, and they, they're, they're, they're not able to get as good as they're supposed to be on defense. They haven't been able to. Now they're missing some guys. I grant you that, but I wanted to see the Seattle game. And, and obviously I got to watch it today on my, on my, uh, on my computer here, but you know, I, I think they did it for competitive advantage, but West coast and East coast, it would have been the same if they started at seven. Ultimately, the Eagles, like you said, they're a team that's going to be contending for a playoff spot, a wild card spot. Although they have three games left. As you said before, they don't go on the road. You've got the Giants in Washington. That last game against Dallas could be interesting. You might be pushing for something to go 10-7, and seven, or Dallas may have the division wrapped up and will rest their starters. So it depends now for Philadelphia. Right. I mean, if Dallas is not going to be the one seed, which they won't be, are they going to play that last game of the year to matter? I mean, you think Zeke's going to play with a bad knee knowing he's got to play the next week? Is Pollard going to play knowing he's got to play the next week? Would you play Dak? I doubt it. So you got to feel like the Eagles are going to win three more games especially considering that Dallas isn't going to need that game to to win the division, right? I don't think they're going to need that game to win the division. So, you know, you got to feel like Philly should win the next three. Can they beat Washington again? I mean, that was too close of a game for as much as Philly dominated. I think that was the perfect example of a team that was in control of the game from the start but didn't have the lead from the start. I mean, the, right. the, the, the interception. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, off a guy's foot. Like, I don't. I mean, I thought it was off his foot. And when Collins ran it back, I'm like, what? that's a touchdown. How bad was the how bad was the broadcast? It took like it took like forever to get a replay on that play. <laughs> I mean, I saw it from my couch. I thought that ball hit his foot and it went up in the air, and the kid ran it in for a touchdown. And I thought for sure they were going to have to you know settle for a field goal, you know. So. I didn't think the replays were coming at all quickly enough. You know, I really didn't. So whatever. But uh, I, I think, look, the Eagles should win the next three. And I think Washington's doesn't, you know, Washington's not a good team at all, whether they have all their guys or not. As you mentioned, the Rams, we didn't be able to watch in its entirety. But 20 to 10, the Rams win. Cooper Cup, a great, again, two touchdown passes from Stafford in the second half. Uh, you know, two COVID-depleted teams, as we know here. But Stafford looked good, passed for 244. Sony Michelle rushes for 92. And, the you know, the Rams are still alive here as far as the division is concerned. Third straight victory following a winless November. We've seen the Cardinals now look a little bit wonky. So Los Angeles pulling even with Arizona atop the NFC West, three games to play. The Cards hold the tiebreaker on division record. Which of those two teams, Mike, do you think is more likely to win the division? I think it's going to be the Rams. I mean, the Cardinals are fading. I mean, this is a huge week. I mean, look, Arizona has done this in the past, right? Last year, they were three and six, you know, uh, at the final, final nine games of the season. 
and Murray kind of tailed off. And one of those three wins was the Buffalo Hail Mary game. Okay. So really they could have easily been two and seven down the stretch. The, this week, this year, they're not playing very well at all. They're struggling down the stretch. And Murray, last year, Murray averaged over six yards per rush. This year, he's at 3.9. He's not running the ball. So, I mean, they're going to play a Colt team that can run the football. They're going to play a Colt team that's physical. They're a Colt team that's confident. I mean, this is a huge game for the Colts. It's a huge game for Arizona. This is a playoff game. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about December football. When you clear out all the other games, we get we get playoff games within the month of December. Arizona Indy Christmas Day playoff game. I mean, you know, get your eggnog out, you know, look at your presents. The kids will be asleep. 8:30, we can enjoy it. I mean, it'll be awesome. It'll be a great game and and Arizona's got to they have to play to a higher level. It's a huge game for them. Cliff Kingsbury, they got to get their thing going without Hopkins. Hopefully Connor's healthy. They, they're going to have to win this one or else the Rams are going to win this division. A couple more thoughts here on the Rams. Stafford, fastest quarterback in NFL history to rack up 50,000 yards passing when playoff totals are included. And Cooper Cup, 10th consecutive game with at least 90 yards receiving, a first in the NFL in the past 70 years. One thought on the Seahawks, I do want to do an autopsy later on the GM shuffle, but at five and nine, they're done. Just a quick thought. Which, If I just say to you, which one stays? Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll. Got check. I mean, Pete just got a Pete just got an extension. I think he's making over fifteen million dollars a year, and so I think they both stay. Because here's the, nobody wants to answer the question: If they trade Russell Wilson, who's playing quarterback for them? Where are they getting their quarterback from? You know, the Forty Nine ers aren't going to trade him, Jimmy Garoppolo. So where are they getting their quarterback from? I mean, there's not. It's not a good quarterback. So you're going to give away a guy to somebody else for. You know, I could see if you wanted to try to get a quarterback in the draft. This is the the problem is if you're thinking you want to get rid of a quarterback, you got to do it a year in advance. It's the problem with the Browns. You know, the Browns, I mean, look, the Browns played that game with with uh with Nick Mullen, right? Nick Mullen played as good as he could play, but they're I mean, they scored 14 points. How many would they've scored with Baker Mayfield? Right. Now I want to touch on this. This is important to me. Going back to the Browns Monday night. You know, we we talk about analytics, and next week I want to bring on a guy who's well versed in analytics and football. Uh, Stephen Prather, he runs a, a a coaching service that helps with coaches, and he understands the and he's very analytical based. And I think we need to kind of dig into it to see the other side. But here's where I think analytics should play an important role. Okay, so the Browns have the ball, and they get the interception, and it's before the two minute warning. We know Las Vegas has two timeouts plus the two-minute warning, okay? And we know Las Vegas has one of the better field goal kickers in football. All right, so the Browns know going on the field, they got to get a first down. They don't want to turn this ball over, but they got to get a first down. So they run it on two plays. They eat away the clock. Now there's 31 seconds left to go on in the half, right? So you've got to make a decision. Do you, do you forego those 31 seconds? Or do you throw it on third down to get the first down to win the game? Okay, so let's let's look at the numbers. Okay, the thirty-one seconds matter if it were that you were up by a touchdown. If you were up by more than three, the thirty-one seconds probably aren't going to matter as much because they have one of the really good field goal kickers and he can make it from fifty yards even on this night. So what you're asking yourself the question, do I forego the 31 seconds, which will essentially be 24 seconds, really, because of the play takes six seconds or seven seconds to get off, right? Do we forego that 21, 24 seconds, 25 seconds, let's call it, or do we try to get the first down, all right? So let's stack it up, right? 
If we punt the ball back to them, Miles Garrett has a pulled groin. Now, I know we didn't announce it on the TV, but I'm sitting on my couch. I'm watching him move around. I know they have two sideline reporters at the game. I don't know why, but I know it's a pulled <laughs> groin. And the kid's trying to work his way through a pulled groin. Okay, so he can't rush the passer. So I don't have Miles Garrett to rush Derek Carr. We weren't getting near Derek Carr the whole game. Okay, so, all right, so that's in favor. If we punt it back to them, their field goal kicker can make it from 45, 48, 49. doesn't matter. So that's another problem. So I've got to make a decision here. If I run the ball, I'm not going to be able to get the, I'm not going to get the first down. They know I'm going to run it, so I'm not going to get the first down. But if I throw it and I get the first down, I win the game. So to me, that's when you've got to weigh the analytics. And the way it stacked up in that game, the Browns should have thrown the ball. As much as I'm a proponent of eating away the clock, when you're only up by one point in the game, you've got to make do something to get yourself because the field goal is going to beat you. Now, if they would have had, you know, a bad field goal kicker like the Jets had two weeks ago, or, you know, or just Michael Badley from the Colts or somebody who's very inconsistent, maybe you risk it. But they had a kicker that's that's just got a huge contract and he doesn't miss. So to me, this is where analytics plays a really important role. It's not always do you go for it on fourth down, do you not go for it on fourth down? Analytics has to play this in. What are my percentages of not of not eating that 24 seconds as opposed to punting, uh, throwing the ball? I think, and as a head coach, if you're paying attention to the game, you're saying, look, before we start this drive, we are going to throw it on. Th- we're going to get the first down no matter how we do it. Mm. And I think that that now it wasn't talked about during the game, but to me, if they get a first down there, game's over. But when they punted the ball back, they were going to lose. And I think there's just no way. Yeah. And I like the idea, like I said, we'll bring somebody on who's pro analytics, have a conversation about it. Of course, you're not the type to say there's no merit analytics. Of course, there's merit analytics, but it's just the way that it's being deployed, I believe, is the source of your frustration. Yeah, it, it, it really is. It's like it's situational. Like if, if, the, if the Browns were up by five points in that game, then I say take it all the way down to the two-minute warning because they're going to need a touchdown to beat us, and I don't want them to have any time. And I'll know Carr will throw through two or three checkdowns during the two-minute drive like he loves to do. So I'll eat up a bunch of time, right? But if but because I'm only up by a point, I'm really not ahead in this game. The scoreboard says I'm ahead, but I'm really not. Because if you watch the game, Carr was moving the ball the whole game. Now they got a break on a holding call, but they still couldn't cover him. And my best pass rusher is hurt. And my backup and my other rusher, McKinley, he got hurt. He would have left the game. So the situation wasn't good for me. Situation of the Browns and ends up being the walk-off field goal there by John Carlson. 16 to 14, the silver and black pull it off. I mean, the Raiders, in essence, keep their season alive. Derek Carr steps up. As you said, Baker Mayfield still doesn't play. The Browns are seven and seven. They're still alive in the AFC North race. But in all honesty, I mean, this Browns team, is, I, 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 if I have, and I get it, Baker wasn't there. But they're fraudulent, and they're deeply flawed as a 500 team. Yeah, they're a good, bad team. They're a good, bad team. I mean, that's what they are. They're a good, bad team. And I think the other thing, too, is I think Saturday, uh, Monday night was, uh, I think all Brown fans realized, we can't pay Baker Mayfield $20 million, We can't pay him that. We just really can't. As much as we want a quarterback, we can't give it to him. Because my question to you is, how many more points would they have scored with Baker that they didn't score with Mullen? I mean, Mullen, Mullen throws the ball to Peoples-Jones down there, uh, and, and the, kid, the kid did a great job of spiking the ball out of his hand. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if they catch that ball, remember, this is a game, too, that, that the, the, the Browns missed that field goal at the end of the half. That was the difference in the game, essentially. And it's frustrating now for the Browns because you say to yourself, all right, we're 7-7, seven seven, as you said, a good, bad team. The Raiders still alive, hanging on for dear life there in that wild card race. 
Vikings and the Bears. Oh, but, my God. I mean, one of the worst football games of the year. I mean, they just dropped a giant turd on Monday Night Football. Oh Even my. Steve Levy couldn't shine this baby up. The Bears outgained the Vikings 370 to 193 in total yards and 256, 255, excuse me, to 61 through the air. Normally, that would lead to victory, right? 255 to 61 through the air. But Matt Nagy's crew, a tire fire in the red zone, one touchdown in five trips, Two for 12 on third down and two for five on fourth down. What a way for the Bears to go to four and 10 and be officially eliminated from playoff contention. Awful. You know, I mean, we saw Matt Nagy at his finest. I mean, he's just a play <laughs> caller. I mean, let's be honest. We've been saying it on the GM shuffle for for forever. Right. I mean, I mean, you know, he's just looking at his play sheet. He doesn't see the game. He's yelling at the officials. Now he's kind of dramatic. I mean, for Bear fans, I think you you know it's over. I mean, if you're the if you're to me, the bigger issue here is we know the Bears weren't going anywhere. But if you're Kirk Cousins and the Vikings against a depleted Bears secondary, how do you only throw for that? Like that's embarrassing. 12 of 24, 87 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. You couldn't get 100 yards as 50% completion. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? (laughs) I mean, and once again, Darashaw's over there trying to block Quinn and they don't give him any help. Like at some point, why doesn't somebody write on a board, we're going to double Quinn on every single play? Like why, why is that so complicated? Why is that so complicated? I mean, it makes football such a, a harder sport than it has to be. Just play the obvious. Take away their player. But Cousins under pressure, and they covered. I mean, this is two weeks in a row. The Bears think that, that if you had the Bears in, uh, as in the Packers and getting 10 or 11, you don't cover. You think you're going to cover that game. This game, you should have covered, and you still don't cover. Ultimate ugly game. It's bad. And and I, like, I, I like to apologize here. I can hear my my grandson Mikey. I think he wants to <laughs> wants to be part of this podcast. I can hear him yelling in the background. <laughs> I have nowhere else to go. So no, no. people, you indulge me for a moment. Mikey wanted to get a little love. I mean, he deserves it. I mean, he doesn't get it. He doesn't. He's a middle child. He doesn't get all the attention. So he needs a podcast. You know. That does remind me. One time you said of your two boys. One has like you know, Italian classic names. The other one it's like you know non Italian. Like just like two boys going in different directions. Right. Yeah. Well, we yeah they you know my, and I love Leo and Dean. I love their names that kind of fit their personalities and and so but it, it fits their father's personality. He kind of different, you know, and so it's perfect. I accept all personalities. It's like I accept all analytics. I mean, I do. <laughs> like I hear a Michael and a Dominic Lombardi. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's a classic uh, yeah. Italian <laughs> South Jersey. I'm like, here we go. Anyways, that's the story. They're the Bears. They stink. The Vikings. They keep things rolling. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more football. And in fact, we'll open up the mailbag, a little bit of previews, and also we'll do our favorite Christmas movies. That's next in the GM Shop. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 
168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, we just talked with the Browns, who are now 7-7. Seven and seven. They take on the Packers at 11-3, Saturday at 4.30 Eastern. Honestly, as you just said, Mike, without Baker Mayfield, or even with Baker Mayfield, they're not really having much of a chance to win because it's not going to be as far as passing the ball as their success to victory. But if they can run the ball, that's the key. So if the quest, there's two questions. Can Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb find success in the ground? And how will Aaron Rodgers attack that Cleveland defense, which as at times has been rather stout? Well, I think he'll attack it. I mean, look, he can throw the ball on them pretty much at will, especially considering I can't imagine Miles Garrett can play right. in this game, but especially on that field in Green Bay, which is hard to get footing on. Players tend to slip up there. I think it'll be a challenge for him to play. I think he had his pool groin. You know, we'll see the injury report later in the week, but I think Rodgers will lead him. I think the key to the game is they're going to, Chubb's going to have to have a huge day. And he could have it against the, the the Green Bay defense. If they get Kenny Clark back, that certainly will help. But once again, this is more of a traditional offense for them to go against. They don't have to worry about Nick Mullen running around. They don't have to worry about that so they can kind of control the line of scrimmage. And if the Browns don't have some of their offensive linemen back, especially the left tackle Willis, this will be a problem. I think the tight end for the Browns, David Njoku, I mean, when you watch him last week play against the Raiders, he was controlling the end of the line of scrimmage like you can't believe. I mean, he would have to have a big day against Preston Smith or one of the outside rushers, Gary, because that, that's they got to get the ball outside in their outside zone play. And that's the only chance they have. I think Green Bay moves the ball effortlessly on them. I really do. Because I think, it, especially considering all the injuries on defense the Browns have, I just don't think the Browns are very good on defense. I, I really don't, AD. I think they're, they're they're susceptible to the pass. And, you know, if they would have just been able to make a couple plays in that secondary, uh, they might have won that game. But again, if you're paying attention to that game, you know your defense isn't going to be able to stop them. So, you know, I think you go for it on third and two as much as I want to take away the clock. But I, I think this is a Packer. Packers playing at home on Christmas, on Christmas Day. I like Green Bay a lot. Packers minus seven and a half is the line there. Colts and the Cardinals. Uh, another game to really look forward to this weekend. Colts are eight and six. Cardinals are 10 and four. Kyler Murray's not looked the same since coming back from injury. He's without DeAndre Hopkins for the rest of the regular season. Jonathan Taylor's been a star for the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously a good offensive line there. How do you match up a Cardinals offense, Mike, in need of trying to regain their mojo against a Colts defense that could pose some problems? How about the line? Cardinals just minus one and a half at home. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think this is going to end up going to a pick them. Even maybe the Colts end up being favorite. Look, the Cardinals are three and four the last seven games. You know, they were three and six last year. I mean, if they lose this game, they're on the same pace as they were last year. And and, and I think, too, it's in the last year, uh, after 16 games, my man Kyler Murray ran the ball 133 times for 819 yards, 6.2, long of 48. You know, this year he's only run it 70 times for 270, 3.9, and he only has a long of 18. To me, their offense is a lot about him being able to make plays with his feet. And if he doesn't do it against this Colt pass rush, it's going to be problematic. And we saw Mac Jones step up in the pocket against the Colt pass rush. I think ultimately, if he steps up, you can do it. Now, the Colts are an all-zone team mostly. Now, they'll play a lot of man. They play more man against, they play more man in the upcoming weeks. But against Murray, I think they'll play a lot of zone. And I think they'll keep all eyes on the quarterback. This is this huge game. I mean, this is the seat. I would say this is the season for Arizona in wow. the sense that it's going to, if it goes bad, it's going to keep going bad. You know, and they got to get their hands wrapped around it. This is their backs are up against the wall. We'll see what they're made of. For Arizona to be successful, Kyler Murray has to play well. How about for the Colts? Carson Wentz isn't the bellwether of success. If their defense is great and Jonathan Taylor is dynamic, they can win. Wentz is almost, 
I don't want to be denigrating, but a game manager, right? He didn't, just just don't try to win the game, and we're fine. Yeah, you know it's funny. I got a text. I got an Instagram message from a, from somebody who listens to the pod all the time, and and they and they made a great point. They said that we need to go over every quarterback in the league and evaluate them for the RFD disease, which is the Ricky Fowler disease. Like who has the Ricky Fowler disease in the league? Like you know, and then t- and we know Carson Wentz has Ricky Fowler disease completely, right? We know if the game gets important, he's gonna or the it's gonna be hard for him. So. Uh, I mean, this is a game, I think if you're Vance Joseph, you know you can't stop the run, but I might play five defensive linemen and dare Carson Wentz to throw the ball to beat me. See if he can do it. You know, because you can't stop the run. If you let Jonathan Taylor beat you, it's your own fault. Everyone knows right now he's been the best running back in football. Get to the mailbag. As always, send us your mailbag questions at gmshuffle at gmail.com or feel free to send us a message on Instagram at the gmshuffle. This is from Jonathan. Who is worse, Urban Meyer or Lou Holtz? Also, who have been some of the worst head coaches in NFL history? Before you respond, I'll say Rich Kotite. Go ahead. Well, I mean, you just think Leon has developed the Hess empire, and he thought that Rich Kotite was the greatest coach ever, so he fired Pete Carroll for the right to hire Rich Kotite. <laughs> it just tells you how, how, how people can be – I mean, even the smartest of people don't, that don't know anything about football can make the dumbest mistakes <laughs> of all time. I mean, seriously. You know, I mean, it's so bad. Uh, uh, look, I, I think Lou Lou was trying to do pep rallies, sing fight songs. Lou tried to endear himself to the players like right. it was college. Mm-hmm. He didn't come in there and try to pretend he knew it all. I mean, he was a disaster. It, right. it bothered Lou. And I, I remember talking to Lou once, and he would he said, you know, that just it bothered him that he couldn't win because he won everywhere. Yeah, you know. And so, but and and I think the difference is, I think Lou's a better coach. I don't think there's any doubt because Lou won at Arkansas. That's not a elite program okay he wanted arkansas then when he pissed off the people in arkansas i think he called it Vietnam. yeah that's right and he, and he got everybody pissed off at arkansas yeah, and yeah. he got and he and he left there mm-hmm. he went to minnesota and put them on and won games at minnesota after one year right like lou's not lou's not afraid to take a non-blue blood job even though he had notre dame he went to south lou will win no matter where he goes i couldn't say that about urban yeah i think urban's a beneficiary of of his ability to have these great jobs uh, speaking of, Colin Cowherd said within six months, Urban Myers have a coaching job or be back in broadcasting. I think he'll resurface. Listen, Rick Pitino went through his he, thing. He also, yeah. said, he also said that Urban Meyer was a slam dunk success. I mean, <laughs> I mean, so you, what, you, what are we going to believe? Right. And our boy Mad Dog Russo, for the record, slammed it. He's been taking a victory lap because when he got hired, Mad Dog said, this guy's going to be a disaster. He's not going to make it. I think Russo said he's not going to make it a year. I did double check. But uh, but, but he kept he kept saying to me, you got it, you're got you going too hard on Urban during our hits every oh, week. Okay. He, he, you know, but so I think he was loosening it up a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. But, I just know uh, for sure. Cowherd said within six months, Urban Meyer will have a TV job or be back coaching. And who's going to hire him in six months? What, what college is opening up in six months? Right. Think about that statement. Let's say all the college jobs, jobs are open, right. right? So six months from now is May, yeah. right? What college jobs open in May? Yeah. And then seriously, I mean, like, like are you going to put him on, is Fox going to put him on the college show and talk about, uh, talk about how to solve problems? I mean, look, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't want to indict the guy. I mean, we've all been fired. I've been fired. Yep. You know, I mean, we've all been fired before been in our fired, jobs. Yep. Mm-hmm. We, we've, we learned from them. But I mean, to me, this is ridiculous. I mean, he gets such a, you know, how is he going to go back on and have credibility? Exactly. I think he resurfaces. Just six months seems a little bit quick. Anyways, well, there's no, the, yeah. It just shows you, like, there's no, there's no hiring cycle in six months. Exactly. Uh, let's close up shop for the Pop Culture Minute. We'll do favorite Christmas movies. I mean, listen, everybody likes to get around the uh, 
around the mistletoe and the Christmas tree and watch more Christmas movies. Uh, the one that I love, of course, because it's the anti-Christmas movie and it fits my sense of humor, which is Bad Santa. Billy Bob Thornton is just so funny. He's just, you know, it's nothing, nothing against the Yuletide spirit, but just because his character is just so reprehensible. He's just such a horrible person. I, of course, find that very funny. The late John Ritter, the late Bernie Mac. I just think the concept's amazing and the execution is great. And you and I are both huge fans of Billy Bob Thornton. Bad Santa, a great one for me. I mean, did you think when they wrote Bad Santa that <laughs> could there have been anybody else they had in mind for that part? Like, seriously. I mean, I know he's skinny and I know the hair piece would have to come off. But yeah. I mean, seriously, is there anybody better for that part than, than, than him? I mean, really, is there anybody better than that? <laughs> right. Just the five o'clock shadow, the snarl on his face. I mean, he's the, hitting the, on women. He's drunk the whole time smoking cigarettes. Drunk the whole time, smoking cigs, you know, like, like not giving, not a care in the world. You know, it's like, I mean, like, I mean, is there anybody better for the degenerate than, than, than Billy Bob Thornton? I mean, really, I mean, if he played like a serious role as a, as a buttoned up guy, would you believe him? You couldn't believe him in well, that's that That's what role. I thought about with Goliath. I'm like, okay, they're like, he's playing a, a slick, smooth talking lawyer and he can do it. But I, I prefer the Billy Bob Thornton when he's just absolutely- But he and Goliath still, he's drunk half the time. He just right. drinks whiskey. He smokes <laughs> cigarettes. I never saw him eat. For four years on the show, he never ate a fucking thing. Like he never ate anything. Like four years, he did that. Uh, five years. I don't know how many times he did that show. I never saw him eat a thing. Like he just drank whiskey and sat there and smoked cigs. When I, I mean, met him, when, literally- he, the, 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 when I met him and they came to ESPN, Danny Cannell said to him like, man, like you're so thin. Like, like, what's your diet like? And he said something about, oh, I don't eat wheat. And I'm thinking, no, no, it's not the wheat. This guy's just smoking cigarettes all. Dude, if I smoked a pack a day, I'd be skinny as shit too. <laughs> I mean, like, seriously. I mean, how does he do it? Like, I, he just, there's no way. He's on that fasting program. There's no yeah. way he does, you know, I mean, there's no way he doesn't do it. <laughs> Intermittent fasting and cigs. That's the way to success for Billy Bob Thornton. A Christmas movie. You're in Boston now. The family is a Christmas movie. Miracle on 34th Street, something like that. Well, I, I think it's more of a wonderful life. We yeah. wrote about it for the Daily Coach the other day. And, you know, and so I think that's that's such a great one to watch. And uh, you know, do you count? Do you count? What do you count? Home Alone is that a Christmas movie? I think so. It's around the Christmas time. Yeah, I think Christmas movie for sure. Ugo, Home Alone. Ugo. I mean, I see Ugo going crazy. Yeah, in our the producers thing. all know? over. It. Ugo's all in on this. Yeah. No. Are you saying yes? yes. I think it is. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I love watching Home Alone. I mean, yeah. we know Pesci. our man. We know our man Stevie Van Zant wrote one of the songs in there. Mm-hmm. One of the Christmas songs in there. That was an unknown fact that we got out of him. I right. mean. I mean, you can't beat a miracle on 34th Street's awesome. Yeah. You know, uh, so I, I share office space with the great Bill Berman. And and so he's a, a movie expert and as, he's a Disney expert. If you want to plan your next trip to Disney, uh, contact me. I'll give you Bill Berman's address. Nice. Because he, he can plan it better than anybody. I mean, he's an expert on Disney. Like he truly should write a blog about Disney. But his three are It's a Wonderful Life. Home Alone is two. Scrooge, the Albert Finney version. Oh, okay. I was going to say Scrooge, the Bill Murray version, but no, he didn't go the Albert Finney version. Bill Murray, great, yeah. and Scrooge as well, but a different story. Okay. Yeah. Albert but Finney I mean, and, and, and as he would say, there's no debate. Right. So those are the three. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that that is, you know, uh, I think that's that's his opinion, and I, and I know it's his fact, as he would call it. So, but if <laughs> if you have any need to go to Disney, please feel free email me. I'll have Bill Berman set up your trip. I was about to say I might take you up on that. That's a very very good offer because the Disney, well, whenever the hell this ends, Omicron now just taking over the world. We'll hopefully get to. Did Disney. you see today? Did you see today? No. This is fascinating news today. I just got this from uh, from from actually I got it from Bill Berman too. He, he's on top of everything today. The U.S. Army creates a single vaccine against all COVID, SARS, very. Researchers say, "Are you serious? Thank God! 
I mean, that's what they, now they said, and and this is an article, this comes from Defense One. Again, people are going to criticize where this comes from because that's what we do in this country (laughs) is because they're not going to believe it. You know, I understand that. Uh, uh, They said that this is uh, completed the trials earlier this year with positive tests, phase one of human trials, which tested the vaccine against Omicron and other variants wrapped up this month. Again, positive results that are ongoing final review. I'd say one thing with Omicron, incredibly contagious. Like we've been dodging bullets left and right. And then literally two days ago, one of my son's preschool teachers calls, yep, staff member tested positive. I'm like, damn it. So now that we're going to get tested tomorrow. And I don't know if you've seen, Mike, the New York, New Jersey area, good luck getting a test. I, I drove around three hour wait time. So imagine people, they want to go like yourself, you're with your family, I want to go see my grandparents, et cetera. Three hour wait time. People are going to go, ah, oh, fuck it, I don't care. And then they're going to go and spread the virus. But this is just, just a nightmare. It's it, it is. I mean, it's so hard. You know, we're all over the place with it and stay safe. I mean, yeah. you know, I was supposed to go out with my college roommate tonight. I'm up in Boston for dinner and, yeah. and he come down with it. So it's just, and I got kids, I got little boys around. Yeah. Me, you know, and so it's hard. Yeah. So you just stay in your little bubble and enjoy it, and and drink eggnog and watch watch (laughs) Baker Mayfield. I mean, why not? I mean, really, I I think the I think this is why Billy Bob Thornton will never catch. He'll never catch the variant. He'll never catch COVID. I mean, seriously, he's just going to stay in his room, drink whiskey, and smoke cigarettes, and he'll he's COVID free. I mean, who you think COVID could stand up to Billy's body? No, no, There's no way. not a chance in hell. <laughs> you know, another great Billy Bob. We should probably do the all-time Billy Bob movies. You know, like the the Simple Plan oh, was another God. one of his great, great ones. morality so, play. I asked him. I said, you know, my favorite scene in that movie is when Jacob is talking about. Hey, when I was 15, you know, I thought this girl liked me, but I found out afterwards that like all the other friends had told her to like me. Like, they, they dared her, like, and you better. And he's like, you know, at this point, being rich, like, I don't care. If that, if that can get me to kiss a girl, like, that's fine. And I was like, it was such a raw scene. And Billy Bob goes, that was me. That was, I'm like, that was, when was that you? You're Billy Bob Thornton. He's like, I, I felt like that character. And I go, that character was incredible. The tape and the glasses was so good. The accent, perfect, the walk, uh, amazing, perfect. that character. Yeah. Uh, and here's a man who was married to, to, to Angelo Jolie. I mean, right. seriously. <laughs> I was like, seriously, how does this happen? I mean, how does a whiskey company not have him endorse the product? Oh, I mean, seriously, how does that not happen? Like, if I owned a whiskey company, if I owned Makers, I mean, I, you know, if I owned any of these companies, sure. it doesn't be bourbon, it doesn't matter, wild turkey, I don't care. You know, I mean, like Bobby Bacala drinks wild turkey neat. I mean, like anybody, right? Like, like seriously, like I would be all over this. Like, Billy Bob, you must be my spokesman because there's nobody more authentic than that. That's the word of the day. Seriously, you think it's you think Billy Bob? You think Billy Bob drinks whiskey in the next year? <laughs> We brought it full circle. I don't know if he does, but he will if he listens to the GM Shuffle. Merry Christmas to my friend Michael Lombardi, to Ugo, to Rich Cook, to all of you great listeners out there. Have a happy holidays, and we're not going to be uh, gone for long. We'll be back, in fact, next week. We never take any vacation, okay? Seriously, no. Merry Christmas, and then we're back with more episodes next week, as usual. 